Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast, a proud member of the Agora Podcast Network. This is episode 75. Woohoo, you guys. You've spent 75 episodes with me. Thank you. So episode 75 is going to finish off the Elizabeth and France unit, the Tudor War with France, little mini unit I've been doing here. We've been looking at all the different Tudor monarchs and how they got along with France, and we're finally wrapping it up with Elizabeth. A couple of housekeeping things before we get started. First, thanks to popular demand, I'm adding in all of the transcripts to the episodes moving forward on my website at englandcast.com. So you can feel free to go there and check that out if you want to look anything up. And while you're there, you can sign up for the mailing list, which gets you lots of free goodies like Tudor coloring pages, news about book giveaways, exclusive mini casts, free e-courses, all kinds of fun stuff. So go to englandcast.com to sign up for that. And also a huge thank you to my newest Patreon supporter, Kathy, for your awesome, generous patronage. Thank you so much, Kathy. You can become a patron and support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. So get more information at englandcast.com. Finally, a credit to Paige for the research for this episode. Thank you, Paige. You are awesome. So Elizabeth, when we left off last time, Mary Tudor lost Calais and said that when you cut her body open, you would find Calais on her heart. So it's not a great time for England in relationship to France. But we've got Elizabeth coming up here and her goal with foreign policy was similar to her grandfather, Henry VII, to try to stay out of foreign wars. She would find herself drawn into engagements through the years, most famously with the Spanish Armada. But France was also a source of frustration and potential warfare, especially early on in her reign, as they supported the rights of Mary, Queen of Scots. A lot of the tension in her relationship with France was also extended to Catholics in general. And it's impossible to think about Elizabeth and Catholics without remembering that Catholics considered her a bastard, born out of wedlock, since Catherine of Aragon was still alive when Anne Boleyn had Elizabeth. So that's the thing. Catherine was still alive. So if you didn't recognize Henry's marriage to Anne Boleyn, which Catholics didn't because Catherine was still alive, so that was bigamy. So if you believed that, then you thought that Elizabeth was a bastard. So the next person in the line of succession would be the children of Henry VIII's sister, Margaret. Now, Margaret had married into Scotland. 
And that would trace us down to Mary, Queen of Scots. That's the same Mary, Queen of Scots, who was married into France and had a French mother with extended French family. So if you were Catholic, you might just support the rights of a Scottish queen who was linked with France over Elizabeth. Now, France at this time was going through their own messy reformation, which would see the escape of many Protestant Huguenots into England as refugees. Later in Elizabeth's reign, we have the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, in which tens of thousands of Protestants were butchered over the course of several weeks, though the massacre lasted just a few days in Paris before it spread to the countryside. Elizabeth's famous spymaster, Francis Walsingham, on whom we did an episode a couple of years ago, he was in France at this time, and it would forever shape his view of Catholics and the threat that Protestants were under. One major benefit that Elizabeth had when it comes to France was the fact that France had a minority rule with a king who was only 10 when he inherited. The internal politics of France left England not quite as threatened as perhaps under Henry VIII when the French sent an armada to invade. But still, many Protestant English wanted England to intervene to help the Protestant Huguenots. And so there was still the possibility of being dragged into a messy war. But back to Elizabeth's early reign. Last time, we also talked about how the Scots and French were linked. So again, Scotland was being ruled by Mary, Queen of Scots's mother, who was acting as regent when Mary went to France to be married. So there are a lot of French people all over Scotland who want to use it as a door into English politics. And this would all kind of fall apart for the French when the Protestants in Scotland rebelled and the new people who were in charge were much more pro-English than pro-French because they were Protestants. So just two years into her reign, Elizabeth had some success against France. The French had announced that they were going to help the Scots defeat the revolt of the Lords of the Congregation. That was the Protestant rebellion. At the same time, the French said that Mary, Mary Queen of Scots, was the rightful Queen of England. And now Elizabeth was really proactive in this. She didn't wait for more French troops to come. She sent her own troops into Scotland, and she forced the French force at Leith to negotiate a settlement. And they signed the Treaty of Edinburgh, which was July 6th, 1560. And it was agreed that all the English and French troops would withdraw from Scotland. Mary Stuart would renounce her use and her coat of arms and the title of England. In 1562, just two years later, Elizabeth tried to revive her claim to Calais, this was when France started to become really occupied with the religious wars. She occupied the French port of Le Havre and said that she was going to keep it until France gave back Calais. In 1563, the French forces beat out the English and there was a treaty that acknowledged French ownership of Calais in exchange for a one-time payment to England of 120,000 crowns. Also, the rights to Le Havre and freedom of commerce was agreed in the treaty. There was a bit of a miscommunication, and the French believed that the English had forfeited all of their rights to Calais. Now, it wasn't what they meant at all, but Elizabeth wasn't in any position to press it. And so, after trying to get it back, Calais remained lost. After Mary Tudor had died and Elizabeth was crowned, some folks in France started to see things differently, and they didn't accept Elizabeth as queen. And that's what we were just talking about. They thought that Mary, Queen of Scots, should be queen. And Mary started going around using the royal coat of arms and being announced as queen while she was in France. But then things turned quite bad for Mary when her husband died and she had to go back to Scotland. The French weren't in any kind of position to help her anymore. And they moved on to other things. And then Mary had to try to navigate a really rough road in Scotland. And she was unsuccessful at going through the clan politics and rebellion that were part of everyday Scottish life. Plus, there were Protestants in charge now and she was a Catholic. 
So it was a really tough time for her. I did do a whole complete episode on her life back in 2015. So you can check that out if you want the details of her life in Scotland. But moving forward, Mary had to leave Scotland, thanks to another rebellion and her really bad choice of men. And she asked for Elizabeth's help. But Elizabeth kept her at a distance, actually imprisoning her, which was an unprecedented move for one sovereign to make against another, especially Elizabeth, who so clearly favored the rights of kings and a strong monarchy. The problem for Elizabeth was and would continue to be that as long as Mary was in the picture, there was a figurehead for any Catholic rebellion. As tensions with the Catholic countries got worse, and Elizabeth was excommunicated by the Pope, effectively telling any Catholic that they had free reign to attack or depose her, Elizabeth would make the decision to execute Mary after she implicated herself in several planned rebellions. Mary really was not the best political operator, but the execution of an anointed sovereign wasn't good for Elizabeth, and many people say that it helped the Spanish decide to send the Armada when they did. Elizabeth did have one positive side of her relationship with France. That was her single status. Elizabeth famously never got married, but that didn't mean that she didn't hint at the possibility when the timing would help her. One of those times was in the late 1570s when she entertained the idea of marrying Francis, the Duke of Anjou. The English didn't favor the match, but Elizabeth did consider it for a long time. It was very serious. Francis even came to the court to England to court Elizabeth, which flattered her as he was really the only foreign suitor to ever do so. This was during the period when Elizabeth was being excommunicated and the feelings of the Catholic powers against her were growing and she really needed to have a continental ally if possible. The problem was that the English really did not support the match. As I said, there was a man called John Stubbs who wrote a book attacking the marriage and he had his right hand cut off as did the book's distributor. The punishment was carried out in public in Westminster, but the crowd reacted so terribly. They were so in support of Stubbs And that kind of indicated to the queen that there was a lot of sympathy for the two men and people really did not support this, this marriage. And so the Duke left and he was still single. Francis, our heartbroken Duke actually died in 1584. And the Protestant Henri of Navarre became the heir presumptive to the throne of France. This shifted things again, as the Catholics in France tried to ally with Spain, because suddenly there was, you know, a Protestant heir and the Catholics were worrying about it, and they wanted Spain to help them. Having Spain control France would be disastrous to Elizabeth. And so she actually started sending money to Henri. And when Philip of Spain invaded France in support of the Catholic League, Elizabeth sent 20,000 troops to France to help fight off Philip. And she would keep sending troops until 1594. Finally, the French religious wars officially ended in 1598. And it would be another several generations before France could threaten England again. So that wraps up this episode and this little mini unit on war with France. The book recommendation for this episode is Elizabeth I and Foreign Policy 1558 to 1603 by Susan Duran. I'll put a link up on the website. Remember to go to the website for the transcript to sign up for the awesome mailing list and lots of other stuff. Learn how to be a patron all of that at englandcast.com, E-N-G-L-A-N-D-C-A-S-T, englandcast.com. You can also contact me with any thoughts, ideas, show requests at englandcast.com or through the Facebook page at facebook.com slash englandcast or through Twitter at Tesco 
or the listener support line at 801-6-TESCO. Next week, we will talk about tutor, crime, and punishment. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk with you soon. Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, a sandful baby sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich hote bord in Bauerbricht, that soli samlies on sicht. Men's cool maiden of licht, fair and freight of wonder. In all this world, flesh of one, bord of blood and of bond. Never yet in Houston on Lord Summer in London Blow northern wind Send for me be sweating Blow northern wind Blow, blow, blow Here is Dettleworth in Diagratius Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 